Where are you going, city boy? You done taken a wrong turn. This ain't one of your games! If a man dies in the forest and nobody lives to tell about it, does it really happen? You killed somebody! There he is! Burt Reynolds, Sean Voigt, Ned Beatty, Deliverance. Wednesday night at 7 on Channel 9. Hey everybody, it's Ben Reiser. Uh, welcome to another long-awaited episode of 70 Movies We Saw in the 70s. My dear co-host Scott Lucas is here with us. And Scott, who else we have in the house today? Hello. Well, this has been a long time coming. We've been talking yeah. about doing this for months. Decades. Uh, yeah. Uh, our, our friend, good friend Herb Rosen from the Liars Club and Beer Nuts and hey. Right See the Accused and, and, and just probably... Definitely the biggest Deliverance fan I know. Uh, so Absolutely. we've been trying to get this guy over here to talk about Deliverance. And Herb, just so you know, we're not asking you here for you to recite the movie line by line for the next Damn two it. hours. We, we, we want to talk about it. We, it um, might be helpful. It might be helpful. Okay, I got about, we had about four minutes then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Herb, ben, when you did won't, you, f- you, won't, you won't have to find any audio to take. Okay, yeah. Herb's, go- Herb's going to cover all of that stuff. We showed okay. it. We showed it on the brick wall in back of the bar when we were doing the outdoor thing last year, and there's no sound. It's just like a, a splattered image. And I, I tried to do all the dialogue by myself, just yelling from behind the out, outdoor bar. People were horrified. Speaking of splattered <laughs> images, I feel yes. like that right now. <laughs> <laughs> when was the first time you saw Deliverance, Herb? Um. Okay. So... I'm a little, it was like my dad, one of my dad's favorite movies. And, you know, it would be on TV maybe once a year. Yeah. And uh, it was on a black and white, a black and white Zenith that the four reel, we had to turn the channels with a pair of pliers because the thing had broken <laughs> off. Right. And this is, I know it sounds made up, like we walked to school barefoot, but um, so <laughs> it was on that and uh and my dad would be all geared up for it and get the whole family together and whatnot <laughs> and not the whole family my mom and I, my sister was too little and i'm trying to remember how old i was i mean i couldn't have been 10 you know probably 10 9 or 10 something like that and uh and then i would you know it, it was on regular tv with commercials so obviously edited the shit but obviously they must have still shown enough that it was too it was too bad for me to see so i would get sent upstairs during the obvious uh, squeal scene. And then I'd get sent upstairs again. And all that was was the compound fracture, Burt Reynolds broken leg scene, which big deal. Right. But I guess it's a little kid. But so I got I got sent up upstairs for both those scenes. And I wondered for another, we'll get to that, but another three or four years, what the hell I was missing. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I can tell the rest of when I did finally see it, but or should we get to that? Yeah, we'll get to that. Scott, what about okay. you? Um, it must have been TV, but I mean, this is one of those movies where I was definitely aware of it and knew what it was about far, you know, I, I, sooner than I'd seen it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it was there. Everybody knew about this movie. And it was one of those movies, by the time you see it, you're like, I know exactly what this movie is about. And because it had just seeped into the culture 
Yeah. Uh, see, that was not Honestly. my experience at all. I knew nothing. Yeah, I think I was more like Herb. I think I saw it on TV. It was one of those, it was, you know, boy, we're rattling off. This, this, this show has covered a whole bunch of these movies where like the first time I saw it was on TV. It was primetime. And the one thing I knew in advance was that it was adult subject matter and it was going to have to have been right. edited for TV. And like that just made it all the more exciting. And yeah. then I don't, and then I saw it. Um, and I just don't know how much I understood about the rape scene. Um, like if I got, I I think maybe because it was cut down and e- even in its unedited form. Here, here's something I love about this movie is that it's like, it's this incredibly like sort of straightforward, realistic or realistically played naturalistic thriller, right? Which with, without any real, without a lot of special effects, you know, it's sort of like it almost it wants you to think it's almost like a documentary. Mm-hmm. And it feels that way. Like it's a very straightforward telling of events. And yet it is teeming with ambiguity. There's so much stuff that you're like, wait, right. what happened? They don't right. seem to know exactly what happened. We don't seem to know exactly what happened. Yeah, I think all by design, too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's what's so great about this movie is that it manages to do both of those things at once. It being this really matter of fact, like you're seeing shit just as it happens. But at the same time, and maybe in the way life is, like, do we ever really know? It's almost like blow up in a way uh, where it's like, what is reality? Like, what happened? Like, what does happen to Ronnie Cox in this movie? Right. And I always forget that every time I see it. And and seeing it last night, again, was no, uh, was no different. I was like, wow, that's really clumsy how they did it with him getting shot. Who would know that? And then realize later, it's like, oh, no, that's the point. You're not supposed to know, and that's part of the horror of what's going on. There's not, there's no evidence of him being shot. It, Burt None Reynolds says he was shot. Of course he was shot, but we don't see anything that makes us think or see, hear anything. What I, what I've noticed over many viewings, over, but uh, it reminds me because he does a little twitchy thing, right? And I don't know if they did that, but it reminds me of the Zapruder film when before when the first shot hits jfk he just does a little twitch before his whole fucking head explodes but like that's and i don't know if that was intended but every time i see it now it reminds me of that because it's just a little twitch and you don't know that the first shot happens and then so and obviously it keeps it ambiguous for the film but yeah i don't know that was my observation right and and is that guy is that guy the guy you know the toothless guy or you know is it not it's when they never even, and it is the same actor, but they never even really answer the question if, if the, when he gets him, if that actually is Cowboy Coward, who I might add, his first name is Herbert Cowboy Coward, <laughs> the toothless guy. So that is the same actor, though. I believe it is, but they never confirmed. They, in all of like, you know, the, the bonus stuff and all the documentary crap, uh, they never confirmed that it is, but it is. Uh. They just clean him up a little. They, they, his stubble's a little, and he looks a little skinnier. But but it's the same actor, so that is confirmed. No, he no he's he's saying he doesn't he doesn't know. Here's They've the thing. never confirmed it, but I think it's, the, the more he watches, <laughs> I feel like the more you watch this movie, the more this ambiguous it gets. Is ambiguous. There's like so many. The more times I watch this movie, the more ambiguous it gets. Like I don't. Yeah. Like I think that every single one of those mountain men that they meet in the first half hour, they're they're wearing the same clothes as the two guys are who they meet in the woods. Yeah. Like it, 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 they all right. have, they're all they have all have doppelgangers. There's like three guys with the same baseball cap. There's three guys with the same like overalls. 
and same well, hairstyles. And do you notice, and I don't know how, I mean, it's been a, quite a few times ago, but me, I watched it for many years. You notice there's a third guy, a third guy jumps in the truck with them when they're following when they're yeah. following them down to the river after right. the yeah. grinder brothers get in and a third guy runs in and puts a shotgun on the thing and yeah. you can never see who it is. Right. And I don't know how I didn't catch that until 10 years ago, you know, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. I mean, I don't uh, know that the movie wants you to ha- have the answers to these questions, but if no, I had to yeah. gun to my head, I want to say, I don't think Ronnie Cox is shot. I think he's having a freak out. Right. And he's not well, and he doesn't have his life preserver on, and he's almost suicidal at that point. Yeah. And, and I out. think he has a, a heart attack or a stroke or something. That, but that, yeah. I don't, I don't know that you're supposed to uh, even try to guess as to what All happens. Right. So this is the question. I mean, is is that is this good ambiguity or is this uh, lazy and clumsy ambiguity? I think it all maybe either Borman by design or. Dickie or whatever, like, because I I did see a thing. I, I I watched the 35th anniversary edition last night that has a ton. It has like four 16 minute documentaries, and then that old one, the danger, the dangerous whatever land of mm-hmm. deliverance. And Ronnie Cox talks about in his head, he does not get shot. He, oh, yeah. he, he does not get shot in, but in his head, but he also doesn't commit suicide. He just thought he wanted it to play an ambiguous ambiguously and be like. Oh, maybe my, I, you know, my, I turned my paddle wrong and blah, blah, blah. And I fell out. Like he said in his head, he definitely wasn't shot, but he wanted it somewhere in between, hmm. which answers no questions whatsoever. I mean, I, I think it makes a, it a better movie if he's not shot, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And these are all things that I used to think made it not so good. Like I used to think that well, this is kind of boring after the rape scene, you know, like it kind of loses its way. And watching it last night, these are all things that I think make it a better movie. And I really yeah, enjoy absolutely. the ending in a way that I never used to. That's true. Mm-hmm. See, in the autumn of your years, in your maturity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it is. Yeah, you know, I grew up, and, and, and for the last 30, 40 years, always had it in my head that, the, that this movie was supposed to be taken as this metaphor, you know, and this story about um, man man's destruction of of nature and the planet and and sort of nature sort of striking back in a way and Mm, um but i never really but i was always like i don't know i don't know that i need this movie to be a metaphor for anything and so i don't care Mm. uh if that's what it is but you know i guess i wonder what james dickey was thinking and then i did see i also watched a bunch of those uh, little bonus features and also some other stuff. And I found John Borman talking about the film and talking specifically about the shot of the two guys coming out of the woods uh, to do the rape scene and, and the way he shot it so that they, it looks like they're emerging, that they're part of the forest and they sort of just sort of oh, right. come out almost like a Miyazaki, like princess Mononoke or something where these, these guys are really just sort of spirits of right. He said of, like it's all green, and then there's a couple brown things, and they're included in the twigs and yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's cool. And so, despite me saying I don't need this or want this to be a metaphor about nature, you know, man destroying nature and nature sort of like pushing back a little, like I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. I dig that. Like, uh, I'm into the idea of these guys being these sort of metaphorical uh, mother nature. Might make artists. it easier to watch. I mean, oh, and I, 
it's teeming with metaphors and, and, you know, and people have been reading it differently since it came out. You right? know, and one of the first things that, that Burt Reynolds says in the voiceover, and, and I love, yep. let me say that I love about this movie is that there's no, none, none of this non-diegetic music until maybe the last 20 minutes of the film. And even then it's, everything's so wild by then that you're like, I don't know, am I here? <laughs> you know, am I right. hearing music in my head? But there is absolutely, other than the actual, like, you know, the banjo duel and all that stuff, there is no music in this film for a long time. And I love that it starts off with with Ned Beatty laughing, but then also this great sort of all the exposition gets right out of the way before you get to even see any of these guys. You know, it doesn't right. waste any time. It's like if there's going to be exposition in this film, it's going to be over the opening credits. We're going to get to see these beautiful shots of the river, Sorry. and then Burt Reynolds. One of the first thing he says is that we're we're it's uh, we're raping the land, right? Right. Um, and so in that way, if that's what there. this is about, it's all there. They're going to rape right. the land. The, the land comes back and literally rapes them. Yeah. And, but then their reaction to him is like, that's extreme. You know, that's yeah. an, you're yeah. an extremist. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, it, it's going to be extreme. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> you know, you see, you see the, the Warner Brothers logo and you, and you hear uh, him cackling over it. I'm just like, it's such a great opening. Yeah. Yeah. They're identifying everybody right away. It seems like. <clears throat> yeah, it's good stuff. So let's talk about these major players in this movie. Uh, first of all, has anyone ever read Deliverance, the novel? Yes, but you I, have. I, I, need, I need to reread it. it um, what do they say about Ronnie Cox? It's all ambiguous. In the, and Damn again, it. that is all Dickie. That's all ambiguous by design. Um, what a Dickie. I haven't read it. It's what been Dickie. probably 15 <laughs> years, but I, I found an awesome... We were in Galena. This is, I don't know, maybe six, seven years ago. In Galena, Illinois... On a little weekend deal, and I love Galena. Oh yeah, Galena is great. And it, you know that little cool downtown area. There's a book, a used bookstore, and right in the front window was a fucked up, beat up copy of Deliverance. I was so psyched, and I bought it. And of course, I haven't read that one yet, but uh, I need to reread it. In fact, while I was doing all this last night, watching the bonus footage, I got on the thing. Did you know that Ronnie Cox wrote a book called The Deliverance of Drew that came out in 2012? And I, and I ordered it and it was only on hard. I spent like a hundred dollars in deliverance books last night on, <laughs> on Amazon's. Um, but yeah, there there's a uh, Ronnie Cox had a book in 2012 and then Christopher Dickey, James Dickey's son wrote a book called summer of right. deliverance, which I also didn't right. know about, about his experience. So I got both of those and some other crap. I will say out of all the movies that we've talked about so far, this is the one that has the most like stuff out there that you can read about the production. And, yeah. And, I never, consider that in my head i was like oh I should, right most I of the articles there's... you read are like quotes from from christopher dickey's book oh really okay yeah. cool maybe that's yeah. where i got it well but most there of the are, ones i read well there are all these great videos of the whole cast sitting around a couple of years before burt reynolds died um right and, and talking about it and that, that all that stuff is great um the only person i couldn't get find a video of him talking about is his Vilmos Zygmunt. I didn't oh, I couldn't find him. Who? About him. Vil, the, the cinematographer. cinematographer. Oh, the cinematographer. He's in the the one he's in all four parts of the one on the that I watched the site, the thirty uh the thirty fifth anniversary edition. He's oh, in cool. all four parts of them. And it's okay. and it's really cool. And what yeah. great work. What great work in this movie. I mean I I you can't like credit all the, the compositions to maybe Vilmos because when you I was watching uh, Point Blank last night and that movie looks great too 
Yeah. Um, but you know, Vilmos was in the middle of doing all those Altman movies. Like this is sandwiched between images yeah. and McCabe and Mrs. Miller and, uh, the long goodbye. Um, and, and it looks, and he, di- he would do deer hunter later. And there's a lot in this movie that reminds me of deer hunter. Yeah. Well, well, what? I was going to say John Borman. I'd love to talk about John Borman is a guy who I don't love. I right. think this is his best movie by far. Um, point Blank is pretty point blank, fucking good. Point Blank is good, yeah. and uh, the one he did with um, uh, Lee Marvin, uh, Hell Hell in the Pacific. What's it called right. the one that he did after Point Blank? Yeah, which is which is kind of like that Enemy Mine movie, but like before it, mm. and not a sci-fi. But it's just Lee Marvin and Tashira Mifune stuck on an island together, <laughs> on opposite sides of World War Two, and um, uh, you know, either learning to get along or trying to kill. Was each Enemy other. Mine based on that? I asked uh, Jim Healy, my film guru, today, and he said no, he didn't think no. specifically it was, but that the first half of both of those movies are very, very similar. So. I well, I like Hope and Glory a lot. Mm-hmm. And and when I was a kid, I used to be obsessed with Excalibur. But Excalibur's not Excalibur good. was good as a kid. Yeah. Wait, Hope and Glory, was that the World War II? Yeah. English World War II. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, I like that one. Uh, Excalibur was a movie that, I, that all my friends loved and I hated when it came out. And I finally was like, I guess I need to really fucking give this a chance and watch it again this week. And I was like, no, this is still garbage. And, really? And one of the interesting things about it is that one of the things that I think is so terrible about Excalibur is what is one of the best things technically about Deliverance, which is that most of the dialogue and Deliverance has to be ADR, like recorded after the fact. All that stuff right. of them on, on the, the water. But you never, or I never, feel that it is. I'm always like, this has to be recorded afterwards, but it really doesn't feel like it. Never whereas, even occurred to me. Whereas Excalibur, the whole fucking thing sounds like it was recorded after the fact. And it's so embarrassing and awkward that Nicole <laughs> Nicole Williamson as Merlin, yeah. terrible. The line readings are awful. It never seems like the guys you're looking at are actually doing the talking. And it looks bad too. It's a bad yeah, looking movie. Stand, yeah, it doesn't stand up, stand the test of time. Yeah, I never liked the That's way that those those uh, the the shining armor is so shiny in Excalibur. It's it looks <laughs> like Herb's camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, but I will say this: if I've got to give John Borman credit for for something over everything else, if I, if we can give the credit to Zygmunt and all, everyone else in all these movies and say Borman was just accidentally the director i will say that between this and excalibur here's a guy who put casts together in their very first roles that like nobody has ever done like this was the first or second movie for just about everyone in this cast first movie for ned Beatty, yeah uh first or second really lead role for burt reynolds and ronnie cox and and john voight they're all like at the very start of their careers and they're all brilliant and and i also want to say that i feel like this might be everyone's best work as far as the performances like i don't think there's a better burt reynolds performance i don't think there's a better john voight performance. oh yeah absolutely burt reynolds best performance there's a better ronnie cox performance though so robocop robocop Absolutely. yeah <laughs> You fucked with the wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's um, great. Uh, but um, but but in an Excalibur though, it's also it's like it's like Gabriel Byrne's first movie and a uh, Liam Neeson, oh, right. 
there's so many people all over Excalibur that are like, wait a minute, is that? That can't possibly be. This is too old. I'm like, oh my God, how old is this guy now? Because God damn, you're Excalibur. making me want to watch Excalibur. Well, good luck to you. Son. Yeah, I might have to. <laughs> Shit. Uh, point Blank's on HBO Max, by the way, though, and it Ooh, looks great. I'll have to revisit that. It's so good. So you think Point Blank is better than Deliverance for you? For it your might be. It might be. I mean, oh, it's, it, it's it's uh, it's shocking. Thank to you. Me. Good night. <laughs> it's shocking to me how how brutal it is. I mean, the movie's re- like Lee Marvin is really fucking brutal, and he doesn't give a shit about anything. And uh, it's I was kind of blown away about it by it. Well. Speaking of ambiguity and surrealism and questions about what this movie really is, you know there's a pretty popular theory that, and I buy into it kind of, is that Lee Marvin dies in the first scene of Point Blank and the rest of it is just like his afterlife. It's like his dying dream or something. Yeah, It's cool to believe. It could be. Now, is that clumsy ambiguity or is that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like every time I want to credit Borman with being smart or uh, clever or like intentionally anything, I watch Excalibur and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck. Maybe not. This guy doesn't seem to have a clue. Well, there's The Exorcist too, as well. Yeah. Yeah, there sure is. <laughs> and Zardoz, by the way. Zardoz. <laughs> yeah. I think he might have to, to direct this. And man, that was... But who knows? That would have been maybe too much. Peck and Paul was all disaster. set to do it, but apparently his last movie had been such a disaster yeah, for Warner, Warner Brothers. For they it. said yeah, no. That's what no I read way. too. So it looks like we all read we all read the same stuff, and we're and we're racing each other to try to get it out before the <laughs> yeah. other person does. You know what <laughs> I heard? No, I heard that <laughs> this one is good. Jack Nicholson agreed to play Ed as long as Marlon Brando played Lewis. However, wow. the actors' combined fees would have added up to more than a million, which was half the movie's budget. Forcing John Borman to cast cheaper actors. Oh, yeah? It, it well, would, Ronnie it, Cox it, actually could pull his sho- shoulder out of joint at will and did so for yeah. the gruesome appearance when the body of Drew is found wedged between the rocks and the river. Are, do you guys have this, like, up on another window? <laughs> no. I do, yeah. Okay. Dickie was drunk when his scenes as sheriff were shot. <laughs> he, was, he was excellent in that, by the way. As the he sheriff. is great. He is yeah. great in this movie. I wish he would have been in more movies. He's so good. Yeah. He was, he was, you know, a poet laureate at uh, whatever, University of South Carolina. And he was like, you know, famous for his poetry readings and like being like huge bombastic like appearances on campus and otherwise, you know, afterwards. So, well, did you know the actors worked without insurance because no company was yes, I did know the that. Yes, they were I taking? Did know that. Well, when Ben commented that it's almost like a documentary and because it was just shot boom 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 it wasn't like there was a bunch of stand-ins and and i believe it was shot it was shot basically in sequence so in sequence they, because they, they had to do right. it yeah that's what I, I saw that as well and cool. we haven't talked about the fact that apparently uh uh dickie and john borman got into a fist fight in the set on the set where james dickie broke john borman's nose and knocked out yeah knocked his out teeth. his teeth i that Four one i've them. seen more recently I've read that and seen that more recently because in all those other older ones, they talk about not getting along and having right. a contentious relationship, but they both speak very highly of each other after the fact on yeah. and off. So who knows? That could well, be. I, I, I think the, the the machismo of the set was like a big selling point of that movie when it came yeah. out as well. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, no and, and that was it. the thing. Everyone was saying that James Dickey, like, 
some of the reviews of the of his book were that it was a tall tale, like that. That's what he did. You know, you know that his well, whole persona was kind of bullshit. In that thirty in that thirty fifth anniversary edition that I watched in that, those little docs. Um, all four actors say that Dickie told them, swore them to secrecy, don't ever tell another living soul, but that really happened to me about the rape scene. And and he told it to all four actors, and then everyone was like, ah, he's... And then his, Christopher Dickey says, eh, my father liked to fuck with people, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so who knows? More ambiguity. Right. Yeah. You'd like, like to think it happened. <laughs> so there's no close-ups on anyone. Well, here's some- oh, go ahead, Scott. No, 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 no. There are no close-ups on anyone. Go, please. There's no close-ups on anyone or anything until like the six-minute mark of this movie. Now, this is me really? saying this. I didn't read this anywhere. I just timed That's it out. That's yeah. Which, to me, is like this film takes its time establishing a sense of place and an atmosphere. Like, you hear those guys over the credits, but you don't see anybody. And then when it finally, sh- when they show up in that car, it's just this long shot of them pulling into that gas station and it's a and it's halfway through that scene before anyone gets anything resembling a close up and John Voigt gets that first close up which is i think foreshadowing cuz otherwise if anyone seems to be the lead of this movie for the first 20 minutes it's Burt Reynolds right. maybe even right. longer than that um and and, I, and one of the things i love about Burt Reynolds in this movie is that he's the star but he's not really the star he's sort of like the red herring he's sort right. of like is it Gina Gershon in Bound, who's like the tough one? Mm-hmm. So it's like he plays like the Gina Gershon role, where like you wow. think like, okay, this is the action <laughs> hero. This is the one who's going to get them out of danger. Uh, but they get sidelined or kidnapped. I think Burt Reynolds is better looking than Gina Gershon. <laughs> I'm okay. very comfortable with my sexuality. <laughs> All right, Perp. Right, that's cool. Uh, yes, go ahead, Scott. It reminds me of Alien, uh, mm-hmm. because you don't really know that it's uh, right that it's going to be, you know, Sigourney Weaver who's who's the lead at the beginning of the movie. You could it could be Tom Skerritt, absolutely. And that movie plays with that. And you know, I think the the other thing that reminds me of Deliverance and Alien is is the chest bursting scene because like it's almost like that whole movie's reason for being is that scene. And sometimes I feel like this whole movie's reason for being is the rape scene. And it became this notorious thing where, like, everyone had to go see this movie because of that one scene. It's like, have you seen Can Deliverance? You imagine yet? seeing that on the big screen in 1972. I mean, no. I was four, but still, even at any at any age. Well, I can't even imagine. That would be. Can't even imagine where you guys were when you saw it and you didn't know what was coming. I'm just yeah. Going, wow. Oh yeah, I, I didn't find out until I rented it at Benny's home video at like 13. Benny's video. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's another reason why I think this movie is a masterpiece is because as shocking and as unsettling as that scene would have been to see in 1972 in a movie theater, it's the same. If that movie came out today, yeah. oh yeah, it would still, it it's still yeah. as unsettling and shocking. It would be rated X if it came out today. I think. So there aren't a lot of movies where you can say they're just as sort of shocking and unsettling in in 2021 as they are in 72. Yeah, you can't really watch this movie in mixed company, can you? No, well, I have a good story about that if you'd like to hear it. (laughs) Well, the movie doesn't have any mixed company. The first line of this movie by a woman, or maybe even the first time you see a woman, is like in the last five minutes of the movie. (laughs) Well, there's the cucumber line. Yeah, and there's the two, uh, there's the old lady and the shriveled up kid. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, that's true. There is the shriveled yeah, up lady right. in the beginning. Sorry about that. But but you don't hear a woman speak. The cucumber very... lady is great with no teeth. God, it's not. Yeah. That's that's actually that's a great fucking scene. Yeah. Heartwarming. <laughs> What's your story, Herb, about uh, oh, so this movie in mixed company? So I'm at I'm at an after hours thing at Red Haired Matt's house, and uh-huh. there's a bunch of like bimbos from the, from his club, and uh, a few other like young but all younger people. And I'm out of my fucking mind. And he's got in his basement, he's got, you know, a huge stereo and a huge widescreen and blah, 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 surround sound. And I'm just sitting there and they, these kids are watching. I don't know what. And I've got the deliverance DVD on my finger, just waiting like, oh, come on. And then I, I put it in and I just put it to the rape seat like with no fucking. And none of these kids have seen it. And I'm howling, laughing. And they're like, get me away from this fucking sociopath but it was uh it was pretty funny and okay what i just noticed last night because i always thought that the the chapter on the dvd and i have multiple of them was called wrong turn and maybe because i just watched it from there but the fucking if you it's number third chapter 13 is called i got it right here it's called reason to squeal (laughs) it's it's right here in the thing chapter 13 reason to squeal that's offensive. <laughs> that's not even a line in the movie, is it? No, no, that's that's somebody. And it's like, this is an old one. This I bought this, you know, when I first got a DVD player. It's Fall Out <laughs> Boy's third record, Reason to Squeal. <laughs> Reason to Squeal. <laughs> I mean, remember that, uh, that Kids in the Hall sketch where uh, I forget who was playing it, but, you know. Uh, Titular line? Well, no, 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 I think it's Dave Foley and, and he's dating like Kit. Kevin McDonald or something like that. Right. And they're on their first date and he goes, Oh, you want to watch a movie? And she's like, sure. And he, and he puts on deliverance and she's like, <laughs> she's like, Oh, this is a little uncomfortable. He's like, yeah, we should watch something else. So then he puts on last tango in Paris. Oh, and, and she's like, are you trying to tell me something? Ew. <laughs> so good. Hey Scott, let's talk about John Voight because you're somebody who has a high tolerance for actors who, uh, dial it up to eleven in the in the later parts of their careers, and I'm thinking yeah. of Al Pacino when I say that. So <laughs> for me, this is John Voight, and, and and I'm a guy who grew up. Uh, I saw The Champ when it came out like five right. times and cried through the the end of it every single time, and that was my John Voight. But to me, this is John Voight at his best, which I guess to me is equaling like his most naturalistic. Like this is John Voight dialed all the way down. That scene towards the beginning where he is on his own little deer hunt and fucks it up. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a great piece of visual acting. I think he's fantastic in this whole movie. But what do you do you think this is John Voight at his best, or are you into like runaway train John Voight? Oh, I love runaway train John Voight. And I love Anaconda John Voight. But <laughs> I, I think that this is I think this is far better than his acting in Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I would agree with you and I'm not the world's biggest John Voight fan, but, um, but when he gets super hammy and runaway train and that is pretty good just because I'm, I, I don't know, there's something about him that just never really appealed to me. And I'm not one of those people who like, you know, fuck a movie because of an actor. Um, I am. Yeah, I know. Herb is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. There's something about the guy. I just don't trust him. And it turns out I was right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Isn't he like oh, a yeah. huge Trump or Looney? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Herb, who's an actor that you can't deal with and will immediately ruin oh, a movie? Shit, throw I, a rock where, where in Hollywood. Start? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And throw it Swing high. Swing a midget dong. Um, yeah, I, I can barely take DiCaprio, although he's kind of made up for it a few times. You're a big Tom um, Cruise fan, though. Yeah, I can't do Tom Cruise. I, yeah, there's... And then, yeah, I can't... I, yeah, I'd probably be a short list of who I don't. <laughs> the opposite of that. But my well, brain he, is mush. Here's a question for you two: Ned Beatty or George Zunda? He was, uh, he was in Deer Hunter. Oh, I know, I know. Oh who no, is. I know. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Yes, yeah. that's what I was but, trying to place. But that's funny because no I had because on my piece of paper I had Ned Beatty or Charles Durning. Oh, okay. <laughs> Durning, but Durning is Durning is too tough. I think Durning is more like yeah. Durning. I would pit against Dennehy. Durning and Jack Warden. Durning versus Jack Warden. That would be mine. Or no. Beatty versus Jack yeah. Warden. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because yeah, Beatty versus Jack Warden, I think, is better than Dern. Durning's too Durning's too hard. Like he's too tough, I think, um, to be compared to that Beatty. But uh, give me Charles Durning in O Brother Where Art Thou. I, I that's hard yeah. to beat for me. When yeah, he dances, true. when he does that, that fucking dance. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Charles so Durning in Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. He's great. Yeah. In that he is so great. amazing. Oh, so yeah. But you think this is Nate? Beatty's best moment taking down those panties oh yes I can what what is better network yeah you yeah will I, 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 atone that's true I'm I'm biased <laughs> yeah by uh, far it's, it's his debut it's his screen debut did you know right that? but he'd been on stage for like what 20 years before before this 2000 years <laughs> summer stock I read it on the internet uh, I mean, and, and this, and if anybody, uh, you know, I, I heard he, he had a hard time shaking this movie. Like he's, well, you know, speaking of people would like yell at him exactly be and, and they'd, go, uh, they'd yell at him and, and, and go squeal like a pig. And he's like, when was the last time you were kicked by an old man? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. But how could you not? I mean, Jesus. Oh, it's like getting caught masturbating in, in the, in the bathroom in high school. You're not you're not getting away from that. <laughs> I mean, Ned Beatty, Ned Beatty is one of those guys who is always good. Like, have you ever seen a bad Ned Beatty performance? Yeah, but that's true. I'm Ned, looking. That's great. But I'm looking through his filmography, and <clears throat> I think this. Well, I mean, he's in he's in all the President's Men, and he's in Nashville, and he's in Network. What is he doing all the President's Men? I don't know. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't was just watching that thing. Brilliant. He was. Uh, he played Mart- Martin Dardis, who was a key figure in the Watergate scandal, linking the Watergate burglars to President Richard Nixon's reelection campaign. He was an investigator, a reporter. Huh. But I don't remember him in that movie either. Uh, but I was going to say this might be the best movie he's in, but I guess those. It's hard to say that when you've got those other ones, plus the big bus. <laughs> and uh, he's. Did you know Ned Beatty's in Exorcist too? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Borm, I know Borman he's Superman. Yeah, 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 right. He's Superman. He's great. Uh, Exorcist Two. I've only sat through twice, and not recently at all. He's in nineteen forty-one. Three. I love. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we've Scott. talked yeah. about that before. Yeah, but he's in nineteen forty-one, which is a movie that I like more than most people seem to. Ooh. Mm-mm. But again, I saw it. As a kid in theaters when it came out, but you, yeah, I was you not know. a 1941 fan. I saw that in the theater when it came out. As did I. 
I had a drive-in. It was a mm-hmm. it was a triple feature. It was 1941. Then it was the Blues Brothers. Then it was Animal House. How old are you, Ben? If you don't mind me asking, I'm 55, or I will be. Okay, you got two on me. I'm 53. But by the way, Scott, out of those three movies, 1941 is my favorite. No way. Really? I'm not an Animal House guy. And what was the other one? Blues Brothers? I never liked. Animal House is great. And and in my later years, I've come to appreciate how terrific Blues Brothers is. I went to go see uh, 1941 at a theater a few years ago, expecting to go, okay, yeah, this is great. And it was not. It's, It's not. I mean, I understand all the... You're not the first person I've talked to about this. It's just not a good movie. Yeah, I'd have to mess. watch it again, but I didn't It like is it. a mess. Yeah. But but there's... But I'll say two things about it's it. Not, Eddie okay, Deason on the, on the uh, Ferris wheel. Give me mm-hmm. Eddie Deason all day long. And then the dance hall sequence with Treat Williams. I think that's just beautifully staged. I could watch that all day. Fine. Fine. I mean... It, and then the rest of it, I have to sit through the rest of it for that. No. Well, and what's I mean, his name? Chill Wills or whatever on the on the submarine. That's pretty great too. It's just one of those movies that uh, it just screams all the time, and they think that's funny. It's like sitting through a marathon of "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." Like yeah. I, I just can't can't well, do it. Okay, what do you think about those other early Zemeckis and Gale movies, like the Beatles one? I want to hold your hand, which I, I love. Hold your hand and use cars. Um, used cars is good. You don't like I yeah. want to hold your hand? I think it's fine. I, uh, um, I don't know. What, Herb? I did not like I want to hold your hand. Um, used That's cars. Another Eddie is, that, classic. is that Kurt Russell? Yeah. yeah. Kurt Russell, right. Yeah, I kind of like that one. And uh, what's his name? We just talked about him. Who's the who's the not Ned Beatty, Charles Durning? Um, Zunda? George Zunda. No, the fourth yeah. one. Uh, Herb, Jack you Warden. came up with him. Jack Warden. Jack, Jack Warden, Warden is yeah. in used cars. He's fantastic. Love Jack Warden. Jack, Jack Warden in being there and in heaven can wait. Yeah. And in Sandra Bullock while Shampoo. you were yeah. sleeping. Jack Warden and Charles Durning used to be amateur boxers and box both. They were World War II vets and they used to box each other in uh, New York. What must have been going on between Jack Warden and Warren Beatty? Like just the drinking or whatever <laughs> oh, yeah, partying right. that those guys must have been doing. Uh, like he was in every Warren Beatty movie. Yeah. There was uh, orgies and booze, and yeah, it was good. Heaven College levels. Great movie. Warren Beatty was a hell of a wingman for Jack Warden. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the first movie that uh, that I've done for the with with you, uh, Ben, was Race, was with, Race the with the Devil. Oh, and, I love Race with the Devil. And there's a lot of... One of the things I love about Race with the Devil is that, you know, Peter Fonda and Warren Oates, they're Southern, but they're not Southern enough. And, right. You know, yeah. there's a lot of that in Deliverance. And this is obviously where they got it from. Well, here's the thing about Deliverance is like it's influenced. I mean, I, I can I'll rattle off a short list, but I mean, there's, yep. there's probably 10 times as many films as I'm about to mention. But as much as I like some of these other films, I don't think anyone's ever come close to doing this as well as they do it in Deliverance. There's no. that there's that Meryl Streep River Wild movie with the right. Whitewater, which is dopey. Southern Comfort with Powers Booth and those yep. guys out in the thing. They were good trying one. real hard, but did not. It's a yeah. good one, though. It is good, I, but nothing compared. To I, I, and and here's a movie I absolutely adore, and maybe maybe it's maybe I like it more than Deliverance, but I think there is a lot of Deliverance in it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think absolutely. it's, I was going to say that is better than deliverance in my opinion, without any hesitation. 
but I don't think it could have happened without deliverance. Right. Yeah. Right. There's that, there's that, the thing that, the thing that that has, that deliverance has, that I think that it, that it found the most disturbing part of deliverance is you're be, you're stuck in this kind of, um, you're sort of trapped uh, at very close proximity with with some with people you do not want to be in close proximity to, and so you know yeah. they're kind of stuck in that spot with the guy with the shotgun when they're about to get raped, and there's like touching going on, and yeah. that oh and that, that's the most and that horrifying first scene, part. Yeah, I have that the, in my notes. The, the most horrifying part of the entire movie is that first time when he when he paused Ned Beatty on the on the on the face. That mm-hmm. that to me is. Mm-hmm. Ten times more horrifying than any of those squeal like a pig shit. Like that's yeah. just like whoa! I just shut. You don't do that. Yeah, no. Right, and and when I think of the what to me is the far and away the scariest part of Texas Chainsaw, which is again the first scene where they pick him up, and he's in the van with them, and they're like suddenly realizing they don't want to be in the van with this fucking yeah. guy. And he's cutting himself, and he's got his blood all over him. That room. That's I feel like that way to too much. <laughs> Uh, 29 Palms. Has anyone seen this movie? 29 Palms. Bruno Dumont or Gaumont, whatever that guy's name. Well, I, I, that brings up an interesting point about how much the extreme cinema of mm-hmm. the extreme French cinema of yeah. the 2000s yeah. are in debt to this movie. And I, I think I know where you're going next. Uh, well, I don't know where I'm going next, but I don't have another extreme French movie, but I'm, but they, but you're right. I was going to say that the only thing that might make Deliverance slightly less disturbing seeing it for the first time today is that it's that if you've seen any of those French extreme movies, you're like, oh, okay, this is that. Like, that's how groundbreaking this feels to me. It's like this anticipates 40 years earlier that style of like, there's no music playing here. We're just going to be, it's like irreversible. We're just going to sit here and watch a rape. That's That's where I thought you were going. Yeah. That's right. Irreversible. You thought he was going. And, and, and Calvair, uh, a movie that came out a couple of years after Irreversible, is is one of the, like, really, and Philip Nahone is in it. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those, like, one of the better uh, deliverance ripoffs. Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. Mother's yeah. Day. Mother's Day. <laughs> wow. Oh, Mother's Day. Hills How Have Eyes, definitely. I went to see Mother's Day back in the day, probably because I was seeing every slasher movie that came out, but also because I heard that Uncle Floyd with your there. mom on Mother's Day. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> uh, a very a movie that's totally influenced by this movie I don't, that I don't think a lot of people have seen is the Ty West movie Trigger Man. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. I have not. It's like one. Of, it's like his first or second. It's like it's maybe his second movie and one of my favorites. Do you know this movie Just Before Dawn that came out in 1981? Mm-hmm. I saw that's that on a list about. today. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I do know of it. But okay. yeah. So anyway, there's endless, endless amounts. But you're right. Other than Texas Chainsaw, I, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to say that there's a better but, version. Of but let's talk about the movies that came before this. I mean, the okay. year before 72, there was Straw Dogs in 71, and there was that great Australian movie, Wake and Fright, mm-hmm. which is... For my money, just as horrifying, if not more so, than Deliverance. So, I, I mean, there was something that. in the air. Maybe they'd all read the James Dickey book. Uh, Wake and, and Fright? Wake and Fright, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good one. It's a great one, but it's more complicated. It's not as, it's not as direct, and it's not as... 
I mean, it, there isn't like a single threat in Wake and Fright. I mean, there's there's just a lot of weird shit that's going on in that movie. Hmm. You know what I mean? Well, what about 2000 Maniacs in 1964? Okay. That's a good that's one. Pretty, pretty direct. That's yeah. pretty direct. Yeah. Reason to squeal. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, maybe like Deliverance was the first movie that made that kind of lurid grindhouse subject matter respectable, right? Maybe that's even artistic, dare say. Right. I mean, not so much respectable as trying to drag it into the light. I mean, you know, the thing that I didn't know about this movie is that its premiere was at the Atlanta International Film Festival. And that was when Jimmy Carter was governor. And uh, like after that, he his whole point was he thought this movie was going to bring the, the film industry to Georgia. And he created the state film office. And they were right. right. Like yeah. This movie brought so much money to that state. And to what to this day, it's contributed five billion to the state's economy since then. Well, yeah, I read something. What, what What's the name of the county? Raboon, K-A-R-A-B-U-N or something. Raboon County, wherever they filmed it. People still flock there like the tourism dollars are like right. four times what the operating budget of the county is and right. they just said to people are coming there to find you know billy red is what's like, that yeah. river is the chatuga river or the chatuga river i i canoed uh, uh it was in south carolina though but i i canoed the upper part of the chatuga river with of my mom and two i did it, mom and two of her most annoying friends these two dudes that worked at the medical school that she worked at and uh they were a horror, but I did get to to uh, canoe the Chatuga, and I did get thrown out of the thrown out of the canoe, and they had to throw me the thing and everything. That's a, that's a totally true story. Were you shot? I, I wasn't shot. I tried to do this. He's not the whole, sure. The whole camping trip, I tried to do this. I couldn't pull it off. <laughs> I was like, but I think it was James Dickey that, that that went to Jimmy Carter, and he's like, you know, what do you think of the movie? And he's like, eh, it's pretty rough, but you know. It, Hopefully it'll be good for Georgia. You know, I hope, you know. Yeah. But, but you know, it kind of, this movie, I re- reading somewhere else where somebody said that this movie did for North Georgians what Jaws did for sharks. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that makes a lot of sense. That was yeah. another one about my, my father was, let's, to put it mildly, was not a fan of the South. And the way, mm. like I was brought up to believe that People in the South were like the people in Deliverance and like the guy, like the the lymph node guy in Easy Rider, you know, the guy who kills him. It's just like that's my whole childhood. That's what I thought the South was. And after touring there in the 80s and play, playing dives, I didn't have reason to think much different. <laughs> but I do now a little. But I mean, that's another precursor to this movie that we didn't bring up is Easy, Easy Rider. Rider. Yeah, you know? definitely. And Ter- Terry Southern, he was like, he was saying that those people were responsible for Vietnam. And I mean, he, he it, like the, the South, the Southern hatred and rednecks are still the one group that them and Nazis that you can get away with, you know, making them the villain, you know, mm, yeah. not so much Nazis anymore. No, why not? <laughs> Apparently half the country is the all Nazis. for it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, 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 how amazing is all the location shooting in this movie? And how amazing is it that I, not for one second do I feel like they're, I'm looking at a stunt person or that I'm looking at film that's well, been sped you're up? Not. 
or that it's all through editing. Right. It's 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 these he guys. He said the only really double, shit. the first double they used was for Voight on that on the the slide. You know, when the crash scene the slide down, that was the only uh, double they. And uh, Burt Reynolds, of, of course, insisted on doing his own slide down that thing. And uh, but yeah, there was very right. little of that. Maybe that's why some of the actors kind of, you know, decided not to take the project. Like, you know, like yeah. it was offered to Lee Marvin. He was like, yeah, you should get somebody younger for this. And maybe well, that was, was part wise. of the plan all, all along that they were going to do their own stunts. I remember watching this scene as a kid uh, early on where, where Burt Reynolds is driving with John Voight and they're trying to find the river. Yeah. And thinking like, oh, they're really driving a car. And the thing that sells it for me, and they really are, I was watching one of those bonus features where, where um, right. John, Vi- John Voight was talking about how scary that whole ride was. And they literally were crashing through trees and Burt Reynolds really didn't know where he was going or anything like that. But but being able to see all that, all those trees and leaves reflected on the front windshield to me, that's what sells it is like, oh, these people are really in a car and they're really driving. And for years, right. that's how I would like, as a kid, try to guess whether I was watching like rear screen projection in a car or whether there was actually an actual car going through space. And then later on, I found that that the filmmakers had figured that out too. And then even when they were using rear screen, they would do, they would reflect those kind of things and have people right, shaking like look leaf real. looking things. I was like, so that wasn't really the way to tell, but in that case it really was. Um, I was watching Wolf the other night and uh, <laughs> they, they did that. There's a lot of, uh, of reflection on the screens. But you can still tell. But it's obviously, fun. fake is fun. Yeah. yeah. Were you really watching Wolf again the other night? I was. Uh, it, there's a there's a uh, thing on Criterion where it's like 21 movies composed by Ennio Morricone, and it might be the finest list of movies available nice. anywhere. And Wolf was on it. I was like, well, I got to watch Wolf. I forgot how great that score was. So wait a minute. I, I spaced out just now. Wolf is on Criterion Channel. Wolf is on the Criterion Channel. Yes. Okay. All right. yeah. I, I saw it once in a theater. Maybe in your honor, I'll watch it this time. It's time to revisit it. It's been unfairly maligned for too long because of uh, its yeah, clumsy handling of genre elements. But you've got some uncredited work by uh, Elaine May. Like the, you got Christopher Plummer. You got a fine performance by James Spader. Michelle Pfeiffer at her most beautiful. It's it's good nice. stuff. Oh, while we're talking about James Spader, here's something that I saw only for the second time today because i did this uh documentary for arrow arrow videos sort of like this genre jack's back no but i love jack's back and i need to watch that but no i watched cronenberg's crash uh oh i'd only ever seen it once and it's fucking great so good and this arrow 4k blu-ray is the greatest looking thing i've ever it's like i it's like uh, this is the only way to watch Crash. Wait, what? Is, but Criterion just came out with a 4K Blu-ray of that. What's going on? Oh, okay. Well, Arrow is British, and so um, I think they must have the rights for it in in the UK. That makes and sense. I did this. I did a documentary. I was like a talking head in a documentary about this Bill Rebane, who's this Wisconsin terrible genre filmmaker. And so they're right. like, "Hey, we'll send you whatever you want. So just pick from our catalog." And this was like That's months cool. ago and I'm like, "Yeah, <clears throat> give me Crash because they have like a whole deluxe. Th- I guess it, it must be the same transfer as as Criterion, I guess." I'm guessing. Do you teach I at UW? Just ben? got that a couple months ago. I work at UW. I don't actually teach there. I just show okay. movies. I went there for two fine years, 1986 to 1988. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's that's when I was time. in school. 
Yeah, you're only a couple years younger than me. What's that? You're only a couple years younger than me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm old. Ben, you went to school in Madison? Yeah. No, I didn't go there. I just went to to school. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I went to school in New York, goddammit. Nice. So who were the biggest stars in this movie at the time it came out? I guess John Voight. John Voight. John Voight. And Burt Reynolds had had some tankers. But was still, a pre- I think, a pretty big Hollywood name. But this made him a real star, so they say, right? Right. Yeah. And it's interesting that it came out the same year as that movie Fuzz. But in Fuzz, that's Burt Reynolds <laughs> sort of doing what we always know Burt Reynolds to do. And yeah. this is the one where it's like he's not. Burt a- Reynolds sans mustache is far superior to any Burt Reynolds with mustache. So what happened with Burt Reynolds? Was it just laziness or was he just, I mean, because he could have gone this way. And, you know, he didn't. Right. He opted for Smokey and the Bandit. Right. I mean, was it laziness or was he just smart? He was like, this is, I'm going to ride this all the way to the the bank. Which in the end. Well, no, I was reading about Burt Reynolds and he made just terrible choices of movies to do and not do all through his career. Like his whole career is littered with movies that were great that he got offered first and turned down to do something way worse. Like what? Oh, really? Yeah. Now you're going to make me. Well, so Longest what, Yard what, is Sans Mustache. Oh, that, yeah. well, here you go. Yeah. What could he have done instead of uh, Stoker Ace? That's that's one of the ones. God damn it. Right. What could he have done instead of The End? Yeah. Well, well. Uh, he turned down the role. Okay. Not that this is particularly exciting, but he turned down the Alan Alda part in California Sweet. Because he thought the part was too uh, small, a feat. Frivolous. Yeah. Oh, he turned down the ro- he turned down the role of Garrett Breedlove in terms of endearment. He turned down the Nicholson part so that he could do Stroker Ace. There you go. There's your answer. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I mean, he, he like totally tanked. By being an asshole, he totally tanked his chances to win an Oscar for Boogie Nights, which by all rights should have been his. And uh, he never stopped badmouthing Paul Thomas Anderson and that movie. It's oh, insane. really? I didn't it's know that. It's fucking insane. You know who else was an asshole? It was Mark Wahlberg. It's like, no uh, it, it didn't, uh, what was his problem? He said it, it, it didn't align with his morals. It's like, fuck off. Yeah. Austin. Yeah, Burt Reynolds complained <laughs> that every time Paul Thomas Anderson did a fancy shot, he was acting like it was the first time it had ever been done, and like Burt Reynolds felt like his role on the set was to say, "Dude, we've done that before." That's <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> that's that's not so bad. <laughs> uh, but I guess it almost came to blows. I guess somebody had to hold Burt Reynolds back at some point. He was going to punch out Paul Thomas Anderson. Nice. What about the banjo scene? Well, what I learned somehow only for the first time researching for this show is that that that's not even that kid's. Yeah, he sticks his arm through his sleeve. Yeah. yeah, that's in <laughs> right, the, which that is awesome. Out. Which is, uh, I think it's perfectly. I, I think it's perfect. It didn't surprise me in the least. Really? Yeah. You really thought that that kid? You really thought that? Okay, here's yes, a story. I did. Here's a story. <laughs> I, I was learned. Fooled. I learned what savant meant 
watching Deliverance with my dad because my dad believed that, I don't know if he really was, that he he told me he was an idiot savant and he could only play banjo. And I don't know if he meant that about the actor or about the character in the film, but I learned the definition of savant watching this movie with my father. Well, didn't the actor end up in Big Fish years later yeah. playing banjo? Yeah, playing banjo did he learn how to play? I don't know if he really learned. He was just playing it in the thing, but I don't think he's really playing a real part. I mean, I don't know. I mean, but I'm yeah, sure they could, big you know, they could do stuff with digital. At there the, was, I've never seen the movie. There was a punker. Um, there was a punker fanzine in the 80s that tracked him like before Deliverance Craze, the pre-internet, obviously. But they tracked down Billy Redden and interviewed him for this, this uh, fanzine. I remember that being passed around back when I was a teenager. He, but, uh, he, no, he also cool. seems like he's a normal guy. Like he's not. Demanding. Yeah, yeah. No, he is. I think he's, he's like not. That. They make a point of saying he's not. Uh, mentally handicapped or mentally disabled or whatever it's just to say they no. shaved his head and powdered his face right to make him a little bit or did more they did they also shave his like eyelashes did they no no i doubt it um i didn't did they that. also like shave his eyelashes and maybe his eyebrows because he's he seems completely hairless in his face yes and no that, eyelashes is is a thing that people don't right people when, take eyelashes for granted yeah well when they and when he looks at them when they go under the bridge when he's swinging the banjo thing. I that mean, might be the best shot that, in the movie. Yeah, that is unbelievable. And I mean, that's hard for me to believe that that's acting. <laughs> I mean, that was... <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel tardy. Well, is one that, of those... Is well, that the first scene without... Uh, with with non-diegetic music? Oh. No, there's no music that in that. I think there's a reprise of the, the banjo. Oh. Um, what does non-diegetic music mean? Like the, you're not watching somebody play music; you're just hearing it. Like oh, gotcha. Okay. I Ronnie Cox is trying to get him to play banjo. I don't. I think but it's played. I don't think he's, it, he's, he's yeah. feigning it. Right, I but I don't think hear, we hear it. I think you just in your mind you hear it because it's so evocative. What Ronnie, what Ronnie Cox is doing with that paddle will make anybody hear music. I I am easily led, so perhaps you're right. <laughs> they're, they're, it's playing in the background a lot, though, more than I remember when I rewatched. At the end, it, it is. Like, yeah, maybe towards the end. Okay, after. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I never remembered uh, was that there was there was so much that there was a credit in the credit sequence for it, and I yes. don't remember seeing that. And then apparently they had to go back and amend the credits yeah. because the guy who actually had the rights for that right because they ripped it off. Yeah. Right. It and so they went back and they amended the credits and yeah. and and put all that stuff in. And I remember watching it thinking. No, have you ever seen that there's on, on youtube there's a few like black and whites of the the guys doing the original version on some you know weird old tv shows but it's pretty cool really yeah that's worth checking out arthur hmm. guitar boogie smith yeah. <laughs> awesome one one of the other dopey little trivia tidbits i read on imdb was about how that what's his name billy redden billy redden think- yeah yeah. yeah, like he liked, he really liked Ronnie Cox. He didn't like Ned Beatty. And when he needs to give him like a dirty look at the end of that scene, they couldn't get him to give Ronnie Cox a dirty look. So they had Ned Beatty kind of walk into frame. And then he was happy to like do that thing where he turns his head and not look. Nice. Like yeah, see, my theory again, I don't think that's that much acting. Ned right. Beatty is so yeah. insufferable at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, he's, uh, you're right, but he's perfect. It, it, like I said, they identify all the characters. In the first two minutes, or whatever. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, he's so bad. You, you feel like he he had it coming. Right. Yeah. 
Well, he but and that's Burt one of Reynolds, the best lines that talk about your genetic deficiencies. <laughs> that's one of the best lines in the movie. He's playing the banjo over here. No, <laughs> somebody pick a banjo here. <laughs> he and Burt Reynolds both do this thing where, like, when they don't like what the one one of the hillbillies is saying, they just turn their backs to them and pretend that they're not even there anymore. Burt right. Reynolds does that at the beginning when the guy's trying to get more money out of him to drive the cars. Right. And, and Ned Beatty does that when he when they bump into the rapists. He's like, you know, they say right. something to him and he's like, just turns his back and starts walking Walks away. away. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, but it's also like that Ned Beatty is actually kind of afraid. Like, a, he's a pussy. And so there's that, that thing at the beginning when he turns his back on him. Is right. Like, oh, Lewis, that, yeah. come on, Lewis. Yeah, here's a live this. one. You got a live one over here. Yeah, yeah. And he wants, you know, he's basically puffing his chest out as well, but he knows that when the shit goes down, he's going to stand behind Lewis. That's one of my favorite tough guy scenes, and that is when uh, when Lewis folds the money and hands it backwards to the, the grinder brother when he, after, after he says, 50 my ass, and then he finally pays him, he goes like that, something about that. Always I like when he says to uh, John Voight, you good for 10? Yeah. yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> well, my uh, my favorite too is uh, you take that chubby boy with you today. <laughs> <laughs> and I I've always fucked it up drunk. That used to be one of my lines. And I'd say, Bobby, you take that chubby boy with you today. But Bobby is the chubby boy, so I messed it up for years. Oh, but really, man. he's talking to Ed about Bob. I like when he goes, just just don't holler at me, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm not used to being hollered. Just screamed at me all day. <laughs> my, my bites have got bites. I've have you have you ever had that happen to you? It happened to me. It's happened to me a bites couple on times. Bites? No, where I'm like, I'm with some friends and I'm like making fun of one of these friends and they call me out on it. Like they're suddenly mm. like they don't want to be the butt of the joke and they're like, please don't do that. And I'm like, oh fuck, my, Only, my whole I mean, fucking most of my life, but that. more re- more than ever recently, that's for sure. Yeah. Right, Jeez, and when, when they're so sweet about it too, yeah. you're right. like, please don't do that. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. That's the yeah. worst. It's oh, not okay. God. Yeah, I don't want. If, if I cared about your feelings, I wouldn't be making fun of you. <laughs> How has there not been a, a Deliverance remake yet? Uh, I yeah, well, mean, God, I'm sort of terrified. What's going to yeah, happen first? Don't even a, a Jaws no, remake or a Deliverance remake? I feel like yeah. the Deliverance remake. So who would it be if it was this year? Be like The Rock would be the Burt Reynolds part. <laughs> Oh, Seth Rogen would be in it, or maybe Danny McBride would be Burt Reynolds. Oh Lord! Oh, now I'm interested. Or Danny McBride that. would be Ned Beatty. That would be yeah. fun. No, no, Seth Rogen is Ned Beatty would be. Oh, oh that would just fine with me. <laughs> yeah, only, only if he gets buggered. Please, with a tree please don't do that, Scott. Please, oh, don't like, do that. please don't do that. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, and and maybe the reason it's not going to get remade is because you can, like you were saying, it's still powerful, and. Like, I think people are in the process right now of reading this movie as a critique of male privilege, right? Yeah. And and they're talking about the rape thing as yeah. this thing that men don't even think that it's going to happen to them. It's never on their mind, you know, so they can go and risk their lives. And it never occurs to them that this thing that women have to think about all the time is something that would happen to them. So then when it happens to them, it shatters their fucking life. And so... I think that this movie is enjoying this, you know, moment and there's no reason. Well, that's probably the reason some dunderhead will remake it. That, but yeah, you know, that's been pointed out to me in more recent years of, and I, I've come to realize the reason we made such a joke about the squeal like a pig scene is because it was so terrifying and I was right. a kid and whatever. That's obvious. But, um, 
Someone said, yeah, you know, the reason that you can so easily make fun of it, because I've always had a problem with rape scenes of women and I don't, I don't like to watch, you know, last house on the left, shit like that. Like, I don't like to watch more than once, if at all. And, and they're like, oh, but you so easily can make fun of that one because it's a man. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Does that make me dumb or <laughs> whatever? But there's, that's been pointed out to me more recently. Oh, you make that fun I would of never mock scene? a, a rape yeah. scene, a, a rape scene of a woman, but that one I so easily could. Well, the entire oh, culture has been making fun of this rape scene. You know, yeah, this that's true because like everyone's pig, so scared of it. Yeah. You got a purdy mouth. I mean, yeah. all that stuff has been going on uh, for and, years. And it and, is funny later on, you know, ad nauseum. You know, I think uh, Jorgensen kind of jumped on that bandwagon with us. Uh, but I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's valid, you know. Yeah. But I also think it, but, but, and the, and the, but the flip side of it is that what people are talking about now, but I think they were also talking about it at the time. Cause I, in one of those features, I thought I saw this too. It's just like, you know, people were saying, how could you have done that scene? It's so disturbing. And, but, you know, Ned Beatty was like, well, how come nobody ever said that same thing about all the millions of rape scenes that had been in movies before yeah. then with women? Yeah. And, and yeah, again, last tango in Paris, which now she says basically was, real yeah but yeah yeah i mean that's the thing like like there are so many great movies that have um a a rape at the center of them and i know you herb and i I know you despise all of them yeah and you know but then but then the flip side of that is this is if not your favorite movie one of your favorite movies yeah absolutely what about that um, valid point was it, I can't remember who, was it, it was Verhoeven, right? Who did that rape movie uh, not L? too long ago. Yeah, L. Great yeah. movie. Yeah. Great fucking movie. Herb, but, you, you gotta know, see he, that he, one. No, Herb's not gonna like it. Yeah, no interest. Zero interest. We need to talk about the most horrifying scene in this movie that for some reason we haven't and doesn't usually get identified as the scariest movie scene in the movie, but is... And that's the Ronnie Cox folk song. Uh, oh. It's red meat when I'm hungry, moonshine when I'm dry, greenbacks when I'm hard up, religion I when I I block that out every time it comes up. Every time I rewatch, like, oh, shit, I forgot about this. Like, you're right. That's like a fatal flaw. Well, we're gonna, uh, it's I mean, going to be really the end of this but, episode. We're going to put it on. And it's yeah, perfect. So we're not going to talk about whether or not this movie is a homoerotic fantasy or not? Oh, sure. Go for it, because maybe yeah, that's yeah, why. Burt Reynolds, like this song. yeah, Burt I mean, Reynolds' best so is a homoerotic fantasy alone. I mean, I was reading something, and it was written around the time that it came out, where like that, like the the rape was actually a wish fulfillment, and and that that's what men would be doing anyway when they're alone, if, <laughs> you know, if it weren't for societal norms, right, you know, they'd hey. be tussling with each other and you know, doing that. It's a fine line. (laughs) Well, talking about ambiguities, there's a lot of ambiguity in John Voight's performance when he's tied to that tree and we're on his face while Mm -hmm. he's watching and then turning away. And maybe, maybe he's passing out because that thing is so tight around his neck or maybe he's having, you know, you can, you you can, you can, with editing, you can, you can, can, if you put different scene, different cutaways to that shot of John Voight, you can make different music. Yeah. yeah, You can make (laughs) him react to anything. Well, that guy also cuts him, you know, and maybe John's into that too. 
I mean, like, he certainly <laughs> he certainly seems to be pretty infatuated with Burt Reynolds. And you know, when Burt Reynolds is like, "Why do you keep going on these trips with me?" Yeah, maybe there you that's go. the reason. He's oh, like, yeah. you got, he's talking about you got a wife and kid at home, and he's like, "Will you make it sound shitty?" And he's like, "Why do you keep yeah. going on these trips with me?" Yeah. You know, there's really there's something. A lot there. to be read into it. Yeah. You want to talk about homoerotic uh, fantasy and confusion? Two Halloweens ago, my girlfriend dressed as Burt Reynolds from Deliverance. I think, yeah, you, you saw it, Scott. Yeah, that was really, really confusing. And it and it looked good. She she pulled it off pretty well. And she had the aura. You know what that's called? That's <laughs> no. called payback. Okay. Yeah, exactly. But she had, the, she had the broken aura for the splint on her legs. I mean, it was, I should try and find a picture. But she had a mustache, right? Uh, no, no mustache. Oh, she didn't she, have the mustache. No, but she okay. put the she put the fake chest hair like in her cleavage. Like, yeah, it was fucked up, but looked pretty fucking good. Oh, I'll send yeah. I'll send you guys a photo. I got one somewhere. I'm the Crimson <laughs> Ghost, and she's Burt Reynolds from Deliverance. He's got a he's got it on his phone. I do have it on my phone. I know you do. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, having watched Crash this morning, it's hard not to see this movie through the lens of Cronenberg's Crash. But I mean, there's a movie that. It's got tons of homoeroticism and James Spader with a hairy chest having sex with Elias Kateris. Um, uh, that's another yeah, movie that, that maybe is influenced. <laughs> yeah, I, know, that's all, I only thought I would see it once, but I'm glad I saw it again. I want to say for a long time it bothered me. The one part of this movie that bothered me is the day for night cinematography when John Voight is climbing up the terrible what what cliff. the fuck is going on no but I kind of but I oh, love is that it what makes it like it's it's it looks so it's, fucked up it's very poetic I mean no, I you have I, to sort of like brace yourself for it and say, I wrote okay. it in my notes that I like I like that fucked up weird light whatever is going eerie light during climb I actually wrote that in my notes last night I wrote in my notes pretty shoddy day for night effects it is and I tried to oh, find Wilmo Zygmunt to talking like about dusk? it yeah, he's trying to make it look is? like okay. night. Right. It's supposed it, to be middle of the night. It, like, that's why it looks so shitty. I thought maybe it was just some mistake that ended up being cool. But that's not. No, no, it's not a mistake. But I couldn't find Zygmunt talking about that or anybody talking about it. And it seems like that would be something that they would talk about. But I will say, other than John Carpenter's um, framing in that scene in, Holly, in Halloween where they're, where Michael Myers is hiding behind the hedge in the in the day, you know, when they're walking down yep. the street, that's my Which is favorite. The most terrifying scene in the yeah. movie, I think. Yeah. It is, and that's my favorite, like widescreen framing of all time. I can't think of a better cool. use of widescreen. But John Voight on top of the cliff in the morning when he wakes up and we see the guy with the rifle in the background. Yeah, that might be my second favorite widescreen shot ever. There are so many good ones in this movie. It's, yeah. it's really. Uh, remarkable but the other thing when he's on top of that cliff it's kind of terrifying the way it's framed because when you see over his head over the end of the cliff it always feels like he's going to fall off and it's really really well done yeah and again i think it's because he probably wasn't too far away from falling off at any point in time although i did see a wide shot of all the crew and stuff but i mean still they were really on a cliff you know it terrified me yeah absolutely uh, I have written down here, John Voight loses his identity, which I must have meant because he loses his wallet, right? It fall, he, he drops it. It's, oh, he yeah. He loses his connection to his family. Yeah, to his family. There's, some, there's a touch of symbolism there. There's a little bit of uh, Vietnam era 
commentary going on. Yeah. And I also wrote down, now I hadn't read what you told me earlier, but I wrote down that Ronnie Cox's mangled body is a thing of beauty. And that's amazing to me that that really is his arm and he could just separate. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. talks in one of those things I saw, he talks about, he's like, he's like, he goes, well, I told, uh, I told Borman I could do this weird thing in my shoulder. He's like, Oh my God. Perfect. He said, all they did was put a little, little rouge on his joint. And it it's just so disturbing. So gross. It's so fucked up. Did did anybody it's me. It's me. read? Does anybody know what they used for Burt Reynolds' leg? Yes, uh, he, a lamb yeah. bone that he a lamb bone that he just snapped back and stuffed down in there. He talks about that too. Yeah, so cool. And, and the guy gave him some blood. Too. Yeah, right, and some blood to put on top of that, which is what it looks like. There's that little piece of flesh hanging off and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty gross. I was surprised watching it that I didn't remember, and I've seen this movie 10 times at least, but I had no memory of how long the sort of denouement is at the end. Like, that there's so much stuff with them at that dinner yeah, and with the police. It's like, like a good, like, 30 minutes, I think, almost, isn't it? I don't Close. know if it's 20, 30, 20 but it's probably maybe, 20. It's easy yeah. 20, yeah. Did, yeah. Has, is that something that you guys always were aware of, or did that take you by surprise every time? It certainly well, I took me think by that, surprise. That was the thing that I was kind of like, well, this movie's right. What Scott was totally saying, the movie's over. Tracks. Yeah, right. Like you know, the the the, uh, the climax is is the scene in the woods, and then it's just a downhill slope from there. But I really dug it this time. I really yeah. I, I thought the exact same thing. Like when I was younger, I was like, eh, it's kind of done after that. But you know, then you watch it. 18 more times. I, I would argue what? that the climax is always John Voight killing the, the guy on the cliff and getting yeah. down. And I'm surprised how much there is after that. I'm so, I'm, I'm so, I was surprised at how much there is after they get off the river. My recollection of this movie is they get off the river, there's one scene with the sheriff, the, the hand Done. comes up out of the water, and that's the end. I totally forgot all about that shit where they're having dinner with those people and all that stuff. The dinner scene always got me. That's the one that I remember. You're right. There is so much. There's always more than you remember. I agree with that. Well, Herb, remember when I sent you that uh, that review of Tarantino talking about Deliverance and talking shit about it? Yes, vaguely. I just remember and, being angry. And that was his thing. Yeah. He's saying that once Burt Reynolds is sidelined in the movie, that the movie loses all dramatic urgency and that, uh, that but, Borman completely fucks it up. He's basically saying that other than Hope and Glory, Borman's never made a good movie, um, which is bullshit. Yeah, which is bullshit. And I think that I think that there's like Ed. Ed becomes Lewis after Lou, and he, when he has to climb after because Lewis is down, and, and he, remember he says, "You're ruined, you're ruined." Right. And then Ed becomes Lewis and has to scale that mountain and kill that guy. And so right. he he assumes that role. I think. And, and, and how yeah. many times has Tarantino taken that? Yeah, you know, yeah right. Right. taken where the, the guy Bingo. you know gets his bl brains blown out, and then he's out of the movie. Exactly, you know? no doubt about it. Yeah, fuck the it. movie is John Voight's movie, and and, and yeah. for Tarantino to not realize that the first, second, and third time he watched it is insanity. Like, what it, it would really that movie? What would that movie be if it was all about Burt Reynolds' character doing everything? What the who the fuck cares? That's not right. a movie. It would just be a, a, a macho bullshit. Could just be that I'm a fan of, but yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> now, let me uh, say something. I 
like, would you, what, I don't forget, I can't remember if it was Scott or Herb, which one of you said, like, oh, yeah, this was like, um, this brought like a touch of the art and, uh, art house and, uh, and, um, like a touch of class to this kind of a story. But I was surprised looking today to see what some of the reviews were at the time. And Vincent Canby in the New York Times gave it a shitty review. And Roger oh, that's Ebert interesting. gave it a I, shitty that, that's review. That's cool you looked that up. Did you say Roger Ebert did? Yeah. Did Roger he really? Ebert gave it, he gave it two and a half stars. Two and a half, right. Uh, well, Canby, I'll cut to the part where he tells you what his problem with the movie is. He says, the problem with the novel is that the perfectly legitimate excitement of the tall story is neutralized by a kind of prose that only Irving Wallace might envy, i.e., she had great hands, they knew me. Ordinarily, a film is much better suited than a novel for communicating the direct impact of experience, if only because the experience is immediate and unintellectualized, and you don't have to climb over picturesque semicolons to get from one statement of fact to the other. However, so many of Dickey's lumpy narrative ideas remain in his screenplay that John Borman's screen version becomes a lot less interesting than it has any right to be. Deliverance is an action melodrama that doesn't trust its action to speak louder than words. Um, the guy was a poet. I mean, that's, a, yeah, wow, that's, I say fuck off, can me. <laughs> I mean, maybe he was just responding to what what we've been talking about as how, like, after a certain point, the movie just, you know, grinds. Well, especially if he wrote it after watching it once or twice. Right. First initial viewings, yeah. But here, here's, here he says something, and this is just one of these dopey Vincent Canby things, and I'm like, no, dude, you just don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> he says, uh, best of all other performances by John Voight and Burt Reynolds is the Hemingway hero who fails through no real fault of his own, and Ned Beatty and Ronnie Cox is their two city friends whose total unsuitability for such a weekend venture is just one of a number of unbelievable and unexplained points in the Dickey screenplay. I wouldn't get into a Central Park rowboat with either one. But then Dickey's story is schematic, and to make points about the nature of man, he had to deny the very realism that the film pretends to deal in. No, that you're a fucking idiot, Vincent. Yeah. Of course, these are exactly the kind of guys who are like, yeah, let's go on a canoe trip. And, you know, I mean, and in the movie, they're they're being bullied and sort of convinced right. by Burt Reynolds to do it. They don't want to right. do it. It's totally they explained. They'd rather go golfing. Yeah. yeah. Fucking idiot. Right. Anyway. Well, written by someone idiot. born and raised in Manhattan, probably. Yeah. I don't know about Candy's history, I don't, but I, I don't guess. Either, but yeah. he's a dickbag. Yeah. Hey, do you want to hear what else was playing? Oh, do you guys know what the tagline for the original like newspaper ads and posters were? They they could have gone golfing. Yeah, this is the weekend they didn't play golf. Yeah, right. This is the weekend they didn't play golf. Yeah, which, which is not a winner. Yeah, me, but not great. <laughs> and then I think they changed what really happened on the Chihuahuasi. Uh, play, playing in New York the same so this opened on a Sunday boy it used to be like the wild west with movies I always thought like movies came out on Fridays and maybe if it was a holiday right. weekend they come out on Wednesday no this thing started on a Sunday sweet uh, but playing Never in New York until the Sabbath time, it was the third smash week of Fuzz so Fuzz which was the other 1972 Burt Reynolds movie actually came out a little bit before this um so he did have a presence. I mean, this movie, quote unquote, made him a star. But Burt Reynolds was, he was still a Hollywood a person. Yeah, he I think Burt Reynolds says cover. like this changed things for him because people took him seriously as an actor. 
as opposed no. to just being like the personality. Although, like we all said, he didn't do anything with that newfound sort of renown as actually being I mean, able to act. What was he in before Deliverance? I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't stuff like Gator. Was that wasn't good no. before Deliverance? He was, was in Navajo like, Joe and some other. Was Gator? Gator had to be soon after, though, right? Wasn't Gator? Yeah, Gator was pretty soon after. Yeah, yeah but um, he was in. Um, oh wait, here I'll tell you exactly where he was in. Oh, I guess there's a whole fucking filmography. Burt Reynolds filmography. His first movie was in 1961 called Angel Baby. In 66, he was Navajo Joe in Navajo Joe. Uh, he was Sam Whiskey in the movie Sam Whiskey in 69. Beautiful. He was I'm in this movie. a picture of what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he was uh, in this movie Shark, directed by Sam Fuller in 1969. Wow. An American adventure science fiction film in 1970, and then in 72, Fuzz and Deliverance, and he made a cameo in Everything You Always Wanted to Know About Sex, but were afraid to ask. Right. Ah. I'm wondering was Gator working in the the sperm? 74 for Gator. In 73 was The Man Who Loved Cat Dancing and White Lightning, which is the first time he played Gator. Gator is the sequel to White Lightning. Right. That's right. To White Lightning. Okay. Cool. And then in 74. Man Who Loved Cat Dancing. That in 74, maybe this is the quintessential, like, peak, prime Burt Reynolds movie. 74, he did The Longest Yard. That's probably right. the movie they're like, oh, that's on again? Like, that movie was on every fucking day. Yeah. Uh, then he did the, uh, then he did that, that Bogdanovich disastrous musical at Long Last Love. Um, that's not the only Bogdanovich movie he did. No, he also he did, did Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon, right? Yeah. 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 In 75, he did W.W. and the Dixie Dance Kings, which I've never seen. I remember the name, but yeah, I don't think I've seen it either. Directed by John Avildsen and featuring the acting acting debut of Jerry Reed. Uh, Lucky Lady in 75 with Burt Reynolds, I mean with Gene Hackman and Liza Minnelli, which I've never seen, but is directed by Stanley Donen. Ooh. Uh, Hustle in 1975, which is a movie I remember my older cousin was going to see with his girlfriend, and I was really jealous. I was like, I want to see this fucking thing, but it was rated R, and I wasn't invited. Uh, In 76, he was in Silent Movie. Yeah, yeah. In 76 was also Gator and Nickelodeon. Gator was in 76? I thought it was earlier than that. And then in 77, Smokey and the Bandit, a movie that was as as, uh, important to me in 77 as Star Wars was. Five, six. I think that movie did pretty well for him from everything. I was looking on some articles today. Smoking the Bandit? And it said Smoking the Bandit oh, was yeah. a big hit for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, then he also did Semi-Tough. Semi-Tough in 77, which is a Michael Ritchie movie, which I think is good, but nobody else I know likes it. Is that with uh, Nick Nolte? Yes. Uh, no, 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 no. The Nick Nolte one is North Dallas 40. This North is Dallas like North 40. Dallas 40, but not. Right. Who's, well, who's his cohort Mac in Davis, semi-tough? Right? Mac Davis. No, that, oh. no, 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 no. That's also North Dallas 40. In this one, <laughs> it's Burt Reynolds and Chris Christopherson. God ah, damn it. That's right. Damn it. Wow. When does Starting and, Over happen? Uh, starting Over is 79. Okay. And, uh, in, in, and he'd already done The End in 78. When did his romance with Lonnie Anderson begin? <laughs> 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 
Somewhere around Stroker Ace. <laughs> yeah, those are favorite movies. Bram Stoker Ace. As a, as I'm trying to figure out when the, what the last Stoker Ace of Spades. I'm trying to figure out the last um, good movie he made. Well, I guess the last good movie he made was Boogie Nights, but um, yeah. Well, I thought you liked the the last movie star. Was wasn't that a movie that you like a lot? Not me. Okay. <laughs> are you teasing me now? Yeah, I am. Not me, brother. Smokey and the Bandit Two. When was that? And 81? three and four. Uh, How many Smokey were there? Three. Two, Smokey Two was eighty. Eighty, and then and, and eighty one was the same year. Eighty one was oh, Cannibal that's Run. Right, Cannibal okay. Run. Eighty one was Sharky's Machine, which is a movie I liked. Sharky's, Sharky's Machine, Machine was, was really good. good. Yeah, Sharky's Machine. Was good. And, and he 80, got Rachel Ward. Yeah, and eighty two oh. was Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Pretty good. Also good. Eighty three was Stroker Ace and Smoking the Bandit Part Three, but he only has a cameo in that one. Right. Ah, I think Smokey is the bandit. No, that never got made. But I think Smokey and the Bandit 3, I think Jerry (laughs) Reed is like the star of. Wow. Wait a minute. There's not a movie called Smokey is the Bandit? (laughs) I think there is. There wasn't. What are you laughing at? (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. There was a, they did write a script and it was supposed to happen. And I think that it sort of turned into Smokey and the Bandit 3, but. But Smokey is the bandit is like Smokey Jackie Gleason is supposed to be playing the bandit and the sheriff. Right. Well, are you right. telling me that was just the tagline for that movie? Yes, I believe. And I don't think it was the tagline. Wait, let me. I'm going to read this. Hang on. I mean, I didn't come up with this out of nowhere. <laughs> Might have been in the Vincent Canby review. <laughs> In Smokey and the Bandit 3, Smokey is... Oh, no, you're right. I'm sorry, you're right. You're totally right. I'm cutting all my part out of this. In (laughs) Smokey Smokey and the Bandit (laughs) 3, Big Enos and Little Enos offer retiring Sheriff Buford T. Justice a wager, betting $250,000 against his badge on his ability to transport a large stuffed fish from Florida to Texas. Buford rejects the wager and retires, but goes through all sorts of mishaps before finally realizing... Retirement is not all it's cracked up to be, and accepting the Enos's wager, Buford picks up the fish and starts driving with his son, Junior. You, you know, good advice oh. is to always uh, never let the little Enos tell the big Enos what to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, let's. can we name the Enos's? The little Enos was Paul Williams. Little Enos? Nice. Yeah. The, those two the guys, anus, the Enuses, Enuses, right? yeah. You just said anus. Well, I heard that. Song. Oh, I thought you were we saying. I thought deliverance you were saying for anus. Half. So. Uh, do you know okay, who? Okay, little anus is Paul Williams. And who's big anus? George Zunda. <laughs> Close. Pat McCormick. Oh yes. Colleen Camp is in Smokey and the Bandit three. Oh, Colleen Camp. Uh, all right, we, we were talking about what was what was playing when uh, when this goddamn movie came out. Okay, so uh, then 1972. What was in 1972? Robert Redford is the candidate. Another Michael Ritchie movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned, Burt Reynolds in uh, Fuzz, which also had Jack Weston. Did we mention Jack Weston in our bunch of like Ned Beatty and Charles Durning and George Zunda? So. We have to. So. Jack Weston's the missing piece of that puzzle. Tom Skerritt is in Fuzz, Yul Brynner is in Fuzz, and Raquel Welch is in Fuzz. Sounds like a good movie. It is yeah. a pretty good movie. People don't like it, but I think it's all right. It's uh, 
it's based on one of those Ed McBain precinct 80, 87th precinct books. Uh huh. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. But oh, I'll take cool. your word for it. Uh, then there was this horror movie that I don't think I've ever seen. The night Evelyn came out of the grave. You ever seen Ooh. that one? No. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I've else seen... is playing? Yes. What have you seen? Let's scare Jessica to death. There you go. That's a good one. Uh, Slaughterhouse Five was in theaters. Oh, that's a misfire. I was going to say that was did, that was did not come out well, as I recall. Do you know who's in it? Valerie Perrine. Yes, and Ron Liebman. Yeah, Good old Liebman. Rob, Le- Rob Liebman. Liebman. Ron Liebman. Did I say Ron? Ron, Ron Liebman. I thought you said yeah. Rob. But R-O-N. Oh, I might have might said Ron. Well, it is Ron. All I know is he was Rachel's dad, right? Um, speaking yeah. of Ron Paul Liebman Williams. Play Rachel's dad on Friends? Yeah, I never watched that you show. You guys need yeah, to do an right. episode about Phantom of the Paradise, speaking of Paul Williams. That right. would be a good one. That's 70 something. We haven't done any De Palmas have, yet. We need to do a De Palma. Yeah. I still have never made it through Phantom of the Paradise, so that would be an excellent reason to do it. You should, yeah, you should do that. I know. It's a deficiency. Because, oh boy, is it bad. Here's a movie I've never, in the best way. I've never seen, but was playing that day. Greaser's Palace by Robert Downey. Anyone oh, see that one? Wow. Who, who also, uh, Criterion also has a Robert Downey thing going on. Oh, cool. Is Greaser's Palace on the list? It might be. Nicholas and Alexandra was playing. What is that? That's um. I remember that one. I don't think I saw it though. Stanley Kubrick. Is, uh, oh no! I don't. Oh no! I'm sorry. I thought it was something else. Franklin J. Schaffner. Didn't he make a Planet of the Apes movie? Yeah, he did. Fuck! I don't know what this movie is. The Nicholas and Alexandra. I remember it was. I don't like know why I thought it was critically well received. Yeah. Who's in it? I have no idea. Uh, well, I do. You thought it was I'm an Ingmar Bergman movie. I did. Uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, Fanny and Alexander. Fanny and Alexander. Thank you. Oh, Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, who's in this? I don't think uh, very similar. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what this movie's about. Michael Jaston as Nicholas and Janet Sussman as Alexandra. I, I remember my mom about. going to see it. Like it was, it was fairly well received, as I recall. Oh, your mom went to see it. It's yes. a porn movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's Smokey, Smokey the Ass Bandit. I mean, didn't Deep Throat come out this, this year? Sure. 72? Or was that 71? Was that 72? Sounds about right. All right, here's a movie that came out that starred Jack Lemmon, Barbara Harris, and Jason Robards. Oh, I know this one. Uh, when the Tigers Break Free or wait? Oh, uh, Paper Tiger? It, I don't know. Is, is that what it is? No. War Between Men and Women. Nah. You didn't know that one. I suck at this game. Yeah, what yeah, was I'm it? I'm not even trying to make it a game. I'm sorry. Uh, it was The War Between Men and Women. I, I said that. Oh, okay. Herb, yeah. turn your earbuds up. I'm telling you, it's it, my voice is so loud, it's like hurting my ears, so I can't that much. Sorry. Just speak quietly. You know what that's called, her? And, and, and you can. That's called payback. Yeah, exactly. But you can, Scott can verify, this is about as quiet as I can possibly talk. <laughs> it's free. Yeah. <laughs> like this, I'm it. whispering. Scott, here's a movie that I'm going to play a game with you. This movie has a full, like, half page New York Times ad, and it's got nothing but pull quotes. And one of them is a doozy, hallelujah. And another pull quote is a wonderful work. 
I left it grateful for an absorbing film and convinced ironically that I had been in the presence of a truly amazing grace, a wonder, and a mystery. And then another pull quote, a terrific movie, a fantastic film. Uh, A charismatic young man, kind of Mick Jagger, Rudolf Nureyev, promises to be the most talked about movie of the season. I could go on and on. Mick Jagger? Yeah. And Mick Jagger gets mentioned in another pull quote. And then here's the final pull quote I'll say to you. Not since he's not in it, is he? No. No. Not no. since Spencer Tracy has the screen presented such a spellbinding Jekyll and Hyde. 72. 72. Uh, I'll tell you what. It's a. I'll, is I'll, it a Michael Sarazen movie? God, no. But I mean, uh, that's funny. For the Mick Jagger stuff, but um, but it's a documentary. It's Marjo. Oh, yeah, I never would have got that. No, I don't know what that is. Either. Marjo Gortner. Oh, okay. Do you know so, Marjo? But now it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Did you ever see that herb? The documentary about Marjo Gortner? No. What is the deal with it? Do I know who Marjo Gortner is? Yeah, he was in the uh, Linda Carter movie, uh, Bobby Joe and the Outlaw. Oh, okay, I remember that. And that I was I only you've watched seen that, for right? Linda Carter. Yeah. Herb, did you ever see Earthquake? See Earthquake? Yeah. He's, He's in, in Earthquake. He's like the okay. psychopath in Earthquake. I'll have to, okay, I'll have to look him up. I can kind of picture that guy. So this guy used, he used to be a preacher. Right. And this movie is about him like hanging up his preacher days to become an actor. For Hollywood's nice. It's pretty amazing. I'll check it out. Uh, M A R J O E. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because that I can see in my head. Okay. Alfred Hitchcock's yeah. Frenzy was playing. Oh wow. Uh, the Godfather was in theaters. Nice. That's well, yeah. Right. Did it? Did Deliverance lose a bunch of shit to The Godfather at the Oscars? I think everything. Yeah, because they got they got Best Picture, I think Best Picture, Best uh, Director, and maybe Screenplay, and but they lost everything. I think it was nominated for a few. Deliverance was, and I think they lost everything to The Godfather. What if um? What if Burt Reynolds had played the part instead of James Caan in The Godfather? What do you think? How would that have gone? Yeah. Was that offered to him? I don't know. It just seems like it could have been. been. (laughs) Burt Reynolds looks at least as Italian as James Caan in that movie, right? Yeah, he's got that dark thing. Um, James Caan's not Italian? He might be, but he doesn't look it. Yeah, because I think Caan is not his name. I think think James Caan might even have an Italian name. I could be wrong. I I guess I thought James Caan was Jewish. is definitely Italian and has an Italian name. Dean Martin is an Italian name. Yeah, he does. His real name is I forget. But oh, yeah. James Con's name is James Con. Is it? Yeah. Huh. James Can. And he's yeah, Jewish. Never... He's Jewish. Oh, really? He was born wow. in the Bronx to Jewish immigrants from Germany. Wow. Ben gets a prize. Yeah, I know my Jews. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, hot circuit. Is a movie that was oh that's a X-rated, <laughs> not to be confused with Short Circuit. Shaft's Big Score, not a porno. Nice, right? <laughs> Fiddler on the Roof was playing. Cabaret was playing. Zero. Oh, Cabaret! That probably yeah, that Cabaret probably won probably all the won other Oscars stuff. that yeah. Godfather didn't win. Yep. Uh, right, because Fosse won Best Director. That makes sense. 
Here's a movie I've never seen, but the ad makes it look great. Charles Bronson, Ursula Andress, Tashira Mifuni, and Elaine Delon are the greatest fighting machine the West has ever known. What? It's called Red Sun. Red Sun? And it's got Bronson and a cowboy hat and a gun and Tashira Mifuni in like full samurai gear with a sword. I don't know what's going on in this movie. That sounds great, and it probably isn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we haven't seen it. Uh, that movie, The Other, Thomas Tryon's novel. The Other scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Yeah, it was. I didn't see it then. I saw it when it was on TV, maybe 77, somewhere along there. But The Other really scared me. And I, it's a hard one to find. I looked that up recently, and I did not find it. I remember watching. Because seeing... it, it, Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I saw like, I, the only thing of the other, I, I saw one scene from it, like on some TV Yeah, show. it's hard to over find, and, over and again, whenever and you search like, it, this the other that yeah. thing with what's-her-name comes up. Yeah, Nicole Kidman. Yes. Which is a good movie I like. Isn't there a, uh, in 72, isn't there like a scary Steven Spielberg TV movie that came out? Yeah. Um, what, what's it called? Uh, don't be afraid of the dark or something like that. I don't know. Herb, is that ringing a bell with you? No. 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 Hang on. Oh, no, sure, it's on the interwebs. All Ben's thirty-two Steven Spielberg movies ranked from worst to best. Oh, that's going to take a while. Care to <laughs> care to guess what what New York Magazine thinks is the worst Steven Spielberg movie? Uh, At number 32. The worst Spielberg movie, they would probably say Temple of Doom. Oh, God, no. They're not going to do that. Uh, No, but it is an Indiana. It's a Crystal Skull. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Okay. One of those sequels. That makes sense. I was close. And I would have gone with number 31, which is Hook. I hate Hook. Hook, yeah. I totally disagree with number 30, which is, as we talked about, 1941. I also well, like the, number yeah, 29. I probably would have guessed 41. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like number 29, Always. I don't know that one. With Richard Dreyfuss. Uh, it's a remake of a movie called A Guy Named Joe. He's a like a firefighter pilot. Okay. Yeah, nobody likes that. I do. What about Empire of the Sun? Where does Empire of the Sun? Now, this is crazy. Number 28, which, Scott, were you telling me you've never sat through? You need to. It's such a great movie. I can't fucking believe this. Number 28 is the Sugarland Express. Bullshit. That seems That's like it was placed a 10. lot higher. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you, New York Magazine. <laughs> yeah. Number 27, the BFG, which I think is all right for a kid's movie. Oh, right. I never saw it. The Number Big th- Fucking Giant. Yeah. Number 26, a movie I don't oh, like. The, uh, the Adventures of Tintin. Yeah, that was a disappointment. Number 25, The Lost World, Jurassic Park. I like that. Yeah. No, it's, it's got that. I mean, if it's just that scene where that thing is hanging off the cliff and there. Yeah, with the glass breaking. It's great. It's Fucking terrific. great scene. Number 24, here's a film that I know people like I can't stand. I might have put this at number 32. The Terminal. What? I don't. Th- Tom the Hanks terminal. in a fucking uh, airport. Oh, I haven't seen that, now. but I doubt I like it. Number 23, Ready Player One. Yeah, yeah that's... I that didn't sit, should be I much couldn't lower. sit through that. That should be much lower. Yeah. You mean much like like higher, like More, the, in the 30s the or shitty, down it should low? That should have been 31. Yeah. Okay. Number 22, The Color Purple. 
Uh, okay. You all right with that? That, that seems about right where it should sit. Number 21, War Horse, which I saw once and thought was okay, but I can't remember. Yeah, I thought that was okay. I've never been in a movie with more old people in my life than when I went to see War Horse. Man. Were they talking about Golden Golden Pond? What did he say? (laughs) Uh, Number 20, a movie I don't like so much, Catch Me If You Can. That's a good one. You like that one. I like yeah, it, it's but it's long. Good. I forgot that he even did that. But, yeah, did you go but, check yeah, out the musical on Broadway? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's fabulous. I did not catch it, even though I could. Ah, I see what you did there. Number Amistad uh, is number 19. That seems like it should be much lower. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I didn't care about it. 18, Empire of the Sun, which I think is great. Eh, it's not my favorite J.G. Ballard. You know what my favorite J.G. Ballard is? Crash? <gasps> Crash. Uh, <laughs> there's only two J.G. Ballard movies, that and that. J.G. Mm-mm, there's High Rise. You guys oh, just yeah, want to say J.G. I don't, I don't consider that a movie, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> J.G. Uh, number 17, Bridge of Spies. By the way, I don't think this TV movie could be on this list, right? Because it can't be that's this what high. Right, well, yeah, that's the fuck. Is, we're, we're doing 32 Anyway, I'm not going to do any more. I'm just going to scroll to see if it's even listed here. What is this? What show? number is Close Encounters? Number eight. Three, eight. Uh, give us the top whoa. ten. Just out of, yeah, this the top is the 10. dumbest list of all time because Close Encounters is number eight and number seven, aka one higher or one Minority Report. One, yeah. No. Yes, Minority oh, Report. Fuck off. It's yeah. not bad. Oh, it's not. Is it good. better than Close Encounters, it's, even by one number? Even, is it even? It's ten below Close Encounters. All right, Close Encounters has some good stuff in it, but there's a lot of new age crap in Close Encounters. Yeah, no, there, there isn't. Is, You're but, not not in the original version. I don't know what shit you've seen. Yeah. But I mean, the I got, entire thing. It's it's like it's a rejection of the family, and you know, it's it's it's, it's, it's a rejection of the family is new age. Well, yes, to like to like new, leave the, the family unit and to to uh, to uh, like chase after this spiritual enlightenment. You're not getting any of that. No, but you you'll be happy that? to hear you just that. Think it's about potatoes. <laughs> yeah, ice cream. That's what it's about. It's uh, about ice cream. I don't. Know, I, I'm not equating the leaving the family stuff with anything being particularly new age. But okay, that's fine. You can have that. But you're going to love this list because number one is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, yeah, yeah. Rattle, off the, rattle off the top five. Okay. Just, uh, number so two, which I would have put down at the bottom, but I know that's just me. E.T. E.T. is yeah. great. Maybe that might be your number one. Really? Number three, Schindler's List. Oh, so good. Number four, and this would be number one for me, probably my number one movie of all time, Jaws. Absolutely. Jaws, Absolutely. The three movies that you put in a in a, uh, a time capsule are for to tell people who Spielberg is or was is Schindler's List, Jaws, and E.T. That's all you need to know okay. about him. All right, that's yeah, not Jaws bad. is my number one. I would put Close Encounters as my number two, to be honest. Yeah, I hear you on that. You know, Jaws did for sharks what Deliverance did for rednecks. <laughs> Number five. You wanted to know what number five was. Number five is Saving Private Ryan. Uh, and number six is a surprise being this high up, but I kind of, I like this movie. Although it kind of really, the third act is a big pile of shit. War of the Worlds. Maybe I only like the first act. 
Oh. It's pretty good. War of the Worlds. Really? Is Gee, I haven't even done it. Once they're down in that the fucking cellar with what's his name, it's all shit. Richard uh, Mazur? Is that his name? Yeah. It, it, wait, who was it in the cellar? Is it? No, who is it? It's not Richard It's Mazur. Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins, sorry. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Tim it's Robbins good. stuck in a cellar with Sarandon's aging cleavage. <laughs> um, That's a different God movie. damn it. Why is this? I'm, I've had enough of this. I'm taking it into yeah. my own Well, I have to. I, O'Connell will kill me if I don't tell this deliverance story. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, so I got my like my very first DVD player, like when they not well, probably when they came out, but when I could afford one. But, they, you know, they were like three hundred and fifty dollars or something when I got my first DVD player. And the first and the first DVD that I got was this exact copy of deliverance. It was the first movie I bought a DVD. So I get it home and O'Connell always tells us, he's like, you know, Herb's been my best friend for 30 years. And but we just don't we don't go to each other's houses. We never end up at each other. We're not entertainers at home. So I call him up. I'm like, dude, you got to get over here right now. Get over here right now. And so I've got deliverance in there. And it is one of the features on the new DVD is it's dubbed in French. So, la la. so the squeal like a pig scene is when he's going wee. It's just him screaming yes, <laughs> you know, which, which we couldn't get over. So I'm we're watching it, we're howling, laughing, watching it over and over. Something and over evil, again. by the way, Scott. Yeah, something exactly. And my my ex wife Mary's like, "There's something wrong with you too," and just stormed <laughs> out the door. And I was like, "You are correct, sir." Anyway, I had to tell that. But that begs oui. that begs a very important question. What noise do do pigs make in France? Oh, that well no that the, the squealing have you ever heard pigs squeal? Garçon. That's <laughs> the noise that pigs make in France. No, because in the we well, you know Garçon in different Garçon. languages animals have different sounds that they Oh have. right, like like the French don't say oink. Right. Yeah. That's that's a good question. <laughs> I'd say we oui, we. Oui. Yeah. Uh but uh, we went something evil, something evil. And yes. here's something I just learned while looking that up. He had other TV movies other than du- I thought it was Duel and Something Evil. He's Duel, got, yeah, I knew Duel he's was got, one, but that was apparently uh, he's got something called Savage. Wow, 1973 American made for television thriller drama directed by Steven Spielberg starring Martin Landau. It was produced as Ooh. a pilot, but not picked up as a series. Now I know Spielberg did a couple of. Um, Columbo episodes, and he did some Night Gallery. Night yeah. Gallery, yeah, that's a favorite. Man, that show was great. Scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Oh, Scott. My God. By the way, the same Regularly. drive-in, the same drive-in near my house that showed Duel last year just showed it again last weekend. What? I forgot. I I didn't know about it till after. The what fight. drive-in is by your house? Then uh, it's the it's in Jefferson. It's the highway. I think they call it the Highway 18. Driving. Okay, so just outside of Madison. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. cool. You should get them to show something evil. I I should, although I hear it's not or good. deliverance. For that matter. Um. All right, I have to poop. Are we pretty wrapped up here? I think we are. This was great. This, this was, was the was last. The, nobody ever needs to talk about deliverance again. We covered every yeah, single right? face. No, we did a pretty oh, that good job. Was, that was good. Well, I'm getting those books should be coming in the next two days. So I'm we need, yeah, the, we do need a follow up episode. I'm interested in the Rodney Cox and, one that came out yeah. in 2012 because that's pretty recent. So maybe he has some secrets that have not been divulged in those. those, those <laughs> I'll tell you Cox. something, yeah. Herb. Did you see this thing? I saw the one bonus feature with Ronnie Cox where he's raving 
Oh, no, it might not have been Ronnie Cox. It might have been John Voight. No, it was Ronnie Cox saying, here's the greatest thing about deliverance that nobody realizes. When, by the, when John Voight finally makes it up to the top of that cliff, you see his arm and you see his wristwatch and it's all fogged up because he's been in the water. And it's that kind of detail that separates deliverance from other thrillers that wouldn't have bothered to fog over his wristwatch at that point. Wow. I did not see that part, but I'm not sure I concur, but <laughs> cool. <laughs> Yeah, well, what about the detail that allows us to ascertain whether or not you've been shot in the head or not? How about that detail? <laughs> yeah, We'd like right. that, Ronnie right. Cox. Well, there are people. people have either of you guys out. ever done whitewater rafting or canoeing? Or I have. Um, I've done. Well, the Chattuga. Right. I've oh, right, done right. Chattuga. I've That's done right. canoeing. Sorry. That was the, the Chattuga was the roughest canoeing I'd ever done. But I've done uh, whitewater rafting. I, I've done many, many times on the Snake River, which in the summer is pretty good. There's some class four. I did one in Chile. I went fly fishing in Chile, in the south of Chile. Um, in what was that? You just said classes. I didn't know there were class class four, huh? What is how many classes? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. The class five is the highest, and and this one in Chile was class five. And you know, Chile here, Chile. However you say it, whatever. So, but here you rarely get class five and you almost can't do it unless you're like, you know, a pro or you're on your own. Like they, they don't have guided trips that do class five there because it was in Chile. They don't give a fuck. And it was in fucking sane. And I got thrown out of the, I got thrown out of the thing and actually grabbed onto the rope. I didn't get, I, I pulled myself back in, but it was, and there were, there were rapids where they said, cause usually when you're in a whitewater raft, you put one leg over and one leg in and you're paddling and stuff. There were the said that they tell everyone to get in, get in the raft and crouch, and you just go plummet straight fucking down. And it's Ooh. it's fucking cool. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this was 20 years ago. I'd probably be injured now, and I definitely wouldn't have wouldn't have caught myself on the way of flying out of the thing. Yeah. Right. But uh it was and I remember there was a woman screaming and crying. When I came back up, she was screaming and crying because she thought I got thrown out and I was laughing. And she's like, How can you be laughing? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Scott, cool. you, this ever was fun. Did, you ever, you ever, I've, uh, I've, I've, uh, I've inner tubed. What, what is that called? Tubing. 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 Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Like I mean, I've done dangerous things, Ben. Yeah. I just haven't done whitewater <laughs> rafting. All right. If you say so. He's a base jumper. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's red meat when I'm hungry, moonshine when I'm dry, greenbacks when I'm hard up, religion when I die. The world's just a bottle and life's but a dram. I'm glad we came here. And a bottle. Lewis? Lewis does not drink. 